Anybody excited about Thanksgiving? Amen. I've already bought my stretchy pants. <laughs> I'm already living on Thursday. I need to preach a message entitled Living on Thursday. That's not the name of my message this morning. But I, I just want to remind you that on Thursday, I will be sitting about three, four o'clock in the afternoon in my stretchy pants watching some football with a half-eaten piece of pie right in front of me. Woo! Oh, who are we kidding? I don't ever half-eat a piece of pie. <laughs> uh, that's my dream. I hope that you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving coming up. There's a lot of details that go into Thanksgiving. Uh, just like, just like, uh, just like uh, inviting people. Who are you gonna invite? All the family. You're gonna. Who's gonna make something? You, you know, these days you almost need two references. You know, and and some uh, uh, some experience in order to bring the mac and cheese to Thanksgiving. There's a lot of controversy. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a lot of controversy about uh, mac and cheese right now going on in Thanksgiving. Then there's all the details, like uh, what are we gonna do, when are we gonna eat, who's gonna come, when are we really gonna eat because we're still waiting on the person that is not here yet, that we're supposed to wait on. It's just crazy stuff. Thanksgiving can be so stressful. Oh, and, and before, before I get too far, I wanna acknowledge somebody, uh, Chaplain Major Boma, my supervising chaplain in the Army is here. Thank you, sir. It's, uh, his family is here. Would you just raise your hand, Chaplain Boma, and just let everybody know. Thank you, sir. What an honor that you and your family are here this morning. Thanksgiving is just, it can be crazy. And then there's all those worries and all those concerns about everything that you have to do. Those crazy folks that are part of your family that are supposed to be coming over and they're gonna mess everything up. Those people are concerns too. But you know, to be honest with you, my job during Thanksgiving isn't all that confusing. It's not all that worrisome. It's very simple. I, I do the dishes. I'm a dishes kind of guy. And I believe that the Lord gave us plastic utensils and paper plates for a reason. That's all right. I know there are some of you in here that are like, not in my house. We have plates. We have the proper silverware. We have name tags sitting at all the places. No, no, paper plates, plastic. But I'll tell you what, whenever I wash dishes, there are some dishes that come in. I don't mind washing pie dishes. I don't, I don't mind washing glass. I don't mind washing utensils sometimes that are served. I don't mind, the only thing I really have a problem with is that turkey pan. Come on somebody, that's nasty. That's nasty business, that turkey pan. It's being filled with grease. And you know, I'll be honest, whenever I walk up to the sink, the very first thing I do is I grab the sponge and I give it a little squeeze. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you gotta give it a little squeeze to see if it's been soaking in clean water or if it's been, you know, with, with some soap in it or if it's been sitting in that turkey stuff. Because you know if it's been sitting in that turkey stuff, it doesn't matter how much you clean with it, it's just gonna make a mess all over everything. You can tell I have a PhD in cleaning. Dishes, I do, I do dishes, that's what I do. <laughs> you, you see, you just give that sponge just a little ring just to see what it's been soaking in. You know, isn't that like our life a little bit? You know, you know everybody's been soaking in something, right? 
We've been soaking in something, and life comes around, and, and every now and then just gives us a little squeeze. <laughs> and whatever we've been soaking up, well, that's when we pour it out. Somebody needs to hear this this morning, <laughs> because maybe you're here, and life has been giving you a little bit of squeeze. That's right. You've been coming to church. You've been in, in his presence like Mary and Martha. Both were in the presence of Christ, right? You've been marinating in his presence, but some of us have enjoyed that devotion and that love. Some of us have sat at his feet and listened to his teaching. Some of us have participated in a Bible engagement project and loved being in it and fellowshipping with his people and soaking the atmosphere of his presence up. While others, we, we I'm just gonna be honest with you, I, I, I can relate to Martha. I'm a Martha. That's not an admission to anybody in here right now. But I can relate to Martha. Because no matter how much how beautiful his presence is. Sometimes I find myself worried about all, all the details that are going on around me. And I, I just can't help it. I can't help it. And sometimes we have things to be thankful for when we, when we get life squeezed out of us. Life can come and squeeze you a little bit and you lift your hands and you lift your voice and you say, praise God, my children are saved. Praise God for what he's done for me. Praise God that he has done this and this and this and many wonderful works. But some of us, when we're squeezed in life, we find out the only thing that comes out is bitterness and resentment and regret. And when life comes to give us a squeeze, we want to be bitter but not better. But in reality, we look at all those people that are better and we say, I wish, I wish I was better and not bitter, but, but I, I got news for you. You can't, when life squeezes us, you can't make it up. When, when life squeezes us, you, you, can't, you can't put on a show for God. You can't act. You can't go back and wish that you had soaked up his presence so that whenever it comes out of you during life squeezes, you can't make it up. Whatever is in you is gonna come out of you in those moments of squeeze. I want you to know that no matter what you have been soaking in, whether it's bitterness or his betterness, today is your day. You have an opportunity today to come out of that turkey pan <laughs> and into the soap and water. And some of y'all never thought I'd hear, I'd say that. <laughs> I never thought I'd say that either, but it's true. You have an opportunity today to come into his presence and be thankful for what Christ has done in our lives, in your life. I want you to turn to somebody and say, soaked up. <laughs> See, that's why I love this passage in the Bible. This is the only biblical account of this, this story of Mary and Martha. It's found in Luke. And I want to just paint the picture for you a little bit as we talk about this. First, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus are brothers and sisters. And they live in a little cottage just outside of Jerusalem in a place in a village called Bethany. Now, this is only about two miles outside of, of Jerusalem over to the east. Now, what we know is that uh, Bethany is still around. It's under a different name. And all you have to do is walk over the Mount of Olives down into a, a valley, and then you get to the, to the western wall of Jerusalem. 
It takes about a 30-minute walk, and so you might even refer to Bethany as a suburb of Jerusalem. And this is a beautiful place at that time. Not anymore. It's pretty rough now. But, but at this time, we know that this is a little gym. And we know that Martha and Mary and Lazarus all loved Jesus. And so Martha, the owner of the house, invited Jesus to come and have dinner with her and with her family. And so Jesus accepted the invitation of Martha. Now, I also love this passage of Scripture because this is one of the uh, passages of Scripture that really reveal uh, personality differences. I, I, I love to talk about personalities. I love to research and, and go into personalities. I, I love to counsel. I love to, I love to talk about the differences among people. And this account really shows up in differences of person. Does anybody like to talk about personalities a little bit? Some of y'all have been had those personality tests. You know, and you keep taking them on the internet, hoping that your personality would change, and it just doesn't. And some of you all, every time you take a personality test, it changes, which may indicate that you have multiple personality disorder, but that's okay. That's okay. This is still for you. Don't just tell all the people inside of your head to stay with us, okay? As Jesus sits and talks, we see two people respond to him in very different ways. In verse 39, it says that Mary sat at Jesus' feet listening to what the Lord taught. Here we see a personality that, that is devoted to Christ, that is not encumbered by, the, by all the details, all the worries, all the concerns. Some of y'all know people like that. <laughs> and some of y'all don't like people like that. <laughs> Why aren't you here with us? Why aren't you thinking? Why aren't you concerned? See, in the very next verse, we see Martha, who I have a tendency to model more in verse 40, tells us that Martha was distracted by the dinner she was preparing for the Lord. Then the next part of the verse gives us some insight. She came to Jesus worried, frustrated, and upset. And said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair? Lord, don't you see all this work I'm trying to do? Lord, don't you know that I'm trying to make this a nice dinner for you? I, I mean, think, think about this. In her mind, she, she invited Jesus over to the house. She has this picture of what a good dinner looks like. She's probably have, has all the place settings there. She's got the good dishes out, not the paper plates. She's got everything lined out. She's trying to take out the, the bread from the oven, right? Because she's that kind of person that makes the bread and doesn't just buy the rolls from the grocery store. I love y'all. <laughs> I like the bread from the grocery store too, I'm going to be honest with you. And then she, she has all these things going on and she's looking around and she wants some help in the kitchen and she says, Lord, I'd like to be sitting here with you too, but I can't be sitting here and have this nice dinner ready for you. I just wish that whenever I try to make this dinner for you, I've got some good intentions here, Lord. I want to serve you. I want to give back to you. I want to worship you through my service, Lord. But can't you see that this is unfair? My sister is just sitting at your feet just soaking you up when I'm trying to do something nice for you. Lord, would you just tell her to get back in the kitchen and work? Because I've been trying to tell her that for years. I've been trying to tell her to get that mac and cheese going. 
Nah, <laughs> she probably wouldn't trust Mary with mac and cheese, to be honest with you. I've been trying to get Mary to work. Would you just tell her to come on in? <laughs> and as she complains to the Lord, we notice that she has good intentions. Her intentions are good. She wants to serve him. She wants to love on him. She wants to offer him a sacrifice of her work that is acceptable and pleasing to him. But that's not how it works, is it? Do you, do you want Jesus to be happy, Mary, or not? Why don't you come on in with me? See, the truth is, is that it doesn't matter what our intentions are. It doesn't matter if we intend on offering God something nice or being really good with what we do. Are we so concerned about everything in our lives and our families that we don't set an example of worship in front of them? Are, are we so important that we are not willing to sit at the feet of Jesus in love and adoration and worship by spending time with him? Are we so busy doing the Lord's work that we fail to enjoy being in his presence? Think about that for a moment. Think about it. We can be so busy in our lives, and we love the Lord, and we have good intentions, but we're so busy that we miss the one good thing. What a travesty. What a failure that we can be so close, but yet so far, that we can sit and soak up his presence, or we can be in his presence and completely miss the point. That's the picture that we're getting here with Mary and Martha, that we can be in his presence, but not experience his presence. See, the great news is found in Jesus, his response to Martha. I love Jesus, don't you say amen. Some of y'all need to get saved. See, first of all, Jesus recognizes her as my dear Martha. In that moment, it would have been so easy for Jesus to chastise her, for her to dismiss her, for her to tell her what she needs to be doing. But Jesus, from the onset, says, my dear Martha. Aren't you glad that sometimes whenever you get distracted by all the details around you, that you forget that you're in the very presence of the one that can answer every and each problem in your life, that he still looks at you and he says, my dear child, my dear child, he is for us and not against us. It's not just a song that we sing. It's not just it's not just a wonderful, optimistic way of looking at things. He is actually and positively for you and I as his children. He says, my dear Martha, in verse 41, didn't snap back and he didn't correct her harshly. But Jesus' response outlines the correct priorities that we are to have. He says, you are worried about all of these details. I'm also really glad in his response that he didn't dismiss the details. Can we be honest for a second? Details are really there. <laughs> this is not a message about optimistic thinking. 
This is not a message that says, don't worry about the details, dismiss them. This is a message that reminds us that even among the details, we are to sit and soak in his presence. You see, there are very real problems in our lives. There are re very real things, and he keys in on what, where she is feeling the squeeze in her life. And she is worried, and that's her squeeze. She is worried. There is only one thing, Jesus says, worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. Can I be honest with you today? There's very real concerns. There's very real things that we can be concerned about. As a matter of fact, there's probably people in here that are my worriers. I just want to ask you by a show of hands, if you're a worrier in this place, would you just raise your hand? Yeah. Okay. And there are probably some more of y'all, but you guys were worried that I was going to call you out so you didn't raise your hands. Come to the front. We'll pray for you. Dismiss all your worries and fears. Praise the Lord. But the truth is, is that there are things that we can worry about. If there is anything in life that can squeeze you, it's worry. It's worry. He, he, but if we're honest, we don't just have to worry about the little things. Some of this stuff is big. It's when we are squeezed that we find out what we have been soaking in. It's when life comes and squeezes us that we find out what we've been soaking in. I want you to turn to somebody and say, squeezed hard. No, I didn't say squeeze them. <laughs> See, if you've been around long enough, you will feel the squeeze that life can put on, of you, on you. You can feel life squeezing things out of you that you wish that you didn't put inside of you. See, in Mary and Martha's situation, what they didn't realize is just a little while after that Jesus was going to be at dinner with them that Lazarus was going to fall sick. And Jesus leaves their house with his disciples. He goes on and he performs many wonderful miracles along through the countryside. But while he was doing that, Lazarus falls sick. Martha, being the concerned one, sent out messages to Jesus stating that Lazarus was sick. Jesus received those messages, but he said, no, I, 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 can't, I can't go right now. Lazarus won't end in death. He said, but it'll be for the glory of God. Now, the disciples didn't understand what this meant at that time, and and so he chose not to go, and he delayed his trip for two whole days. And it's during that time that Lazarus passed. Lazarus passed away. He died. Can you imagine that death? Knowing not only Jesus and his spirit, but Jesus in the flesh, and, and believing that if only Jesus had been there, something would change. 
He delayed for two whole days, and he died. By this time, people from Jerusalem, only about 30 minutes away, and people from Bethany all gathered together in mourning over the death of Lazarus with, with Mary and Martha. And as they gathered together, this was about a seven-day mourning ritual. It was a tradition. It was ceremonial. They mourned and cried and wept and sat because of the untimely death. And it was four days into his death that Martha got word that Jesus was on his way. And being Martha, she, she was worried about what was happening. She was worried maybe even about how Mary was going to respond to Jesus. And so she got up and she left and she met Jesus just outside of Bethany. And that's exactly where we're going to pick up the scripture this, this morning in John chapter 11, starting in verse 20. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, now watch this. If only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Do you hear that heartbreak? Do you hear that squeeze in her life? My brother wouldn't have, wouldn't have died if he had just been here, Lord. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. <laughs> She still had faith. She was a believer. She had faith, but she didn't know what to have faith in. She didn't know how Jesus was going to impact the situation. She just knew that when Jesus shows up on the scene, something happens. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises on that last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after they die. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? See, that's the accusation that is in front of Martha right now. The accusation is, Lord, if you had just been here, then my brother wouldn't have died. She's filled with so much worry, so much concern. She still had hope, but she was feeling life squeezed. And Jesus wanted to remind her that he is the resurrection in life. You see, Martha, it's not about what is going on all around you because I have full control, full power, and full ability to speak into the situations that you find yourself in. And Jesus asked Martha the question, do you believe this? And I believe that the Spirit of God is here right now and he's asking each and every one of our hearts, do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection? Do you believe that he is alive? Do you believe that he is able to resurrect this morning? We find ourselves worried about so many things. But after this, Martha runs to get Mary. When Mary heard this, that Jesus was near, she got up immediately and ran out the door to meet Jesus just outside of Bethany. She wasn't about even to wait for Jesus to come in. She met, went out to meet him. As a matter of fact, she left so fast that everybody around her, all the mourners around her, thought 
that there was something wrong, that maybe she was going to go run to the tomb where Lazarus was. But no, she was running to Jesus because she knew where her help was from. But even in that moment, even in that moment, she felt life squeeze. Even in that moment, she felt hurt that her brother had passed away. Verse 33 says, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. I'm gonna pause right there. See, she had the same question that her sister Martha had. If only you'd been here. Lord, why weren't you here? My brother would still be alive. If we're gonna be honest this morning, there are times that even when we do soak in the presence of the Lord, our pain, our hurt, our grief runs so deeply inside of us that we have questions that we can't find an answer to. Why do good things, or why do bad things happen to good people? And then for Jesus to be angry at that moment, where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. And in John 11:35, we find, then Jesus wept. It's the shortest passage in Scripture, shortest verse, but it speaks volumes into our hearts and our lives when we realize that the book of John is mainly and solely about the deity of Jesus. The deity that Jesus is God. And yet, we see the shortest verse where it talks about Jesus weeping. He wasn't angry with Mary for asking the question. He wasn't concerned that he didn't have the answer. He didn't weep in anger. He was angry at what sin had done. He was angry because people should not have to experience the loss of family and loved ones. People shouldn't have to experience that kind of hurt, that pain, that grief. He wept because he identified as God with you and I. That when we lose and we experience loss, he identifies with us and he grieves with us. He felt the pain too. You see, there are very real things out there that can hurt us. There are very real consequences to the problems of life. It's not that we shouldn't do our part. It's not that we shouldn't at times be concerned about the details, about the things that could happen to us. See, this is about placing your faith, hope, and trust in him in the face of the details, in the face of the loss, in the face of your grief and your pain. As you go through Thanksgiving this week, 
And you can't help but remember those that have that you've lost and the empty places at your table and maybe the job that you don't have anymore that should have provided that turkey. As you remember this, remember that in the face of this, we are to put our faith, hope, and trust in him regardless of how things turn out. See, we've lost loved ones. We've lost jobs. We've lost friendships. We've lost relationships. There are very real problems and trials in our life. Maybe if Jesus had been here, they wouldn't have happened. Maybe if he had just come on time, you'd still have that relationship. Maybe if he just had come a little earlier, you wouldn't have problems trusting in men or women. Maybe if he had just come a little earlier, then, then your child wouldn't be lost right now. Maybe if he had just come a little earlier, then you wouldn't be filled with hurt and grief, but maybe you would be filled with joy and peace. And that can be our accusation against Jesus. But I want you to know that Jesus has the power to resurrect. There is power in his word. Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus. And he said, roll that stone away. And they said, oh, Jesus, you don't want us to roll that stone. He's been in there for four days. King James says, but Lord, he stinketh. <laughs> Jesus said, roll that stone away. And some scholars about what is about to happen say that when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, they believe that Jesus had to name Lazarus because if he just said, come forth, then every grave would have opened up in that moment because he has the power and he has the victory and he has the keys to death, hell and the grave and he can command it. There is power in his word. And there are people in here this morning that need to understand that no matter what has died in your life, no matter what you have lost, whether it's been a relationship, whether it's been a job, whether it's been a marriage, whether it's been family, whether it's been things that grieve you so deeply, he has the power to speak into your life and say, come forth and resurrect that dream that you had. Somebody needs to hear that this morning because he is the resurrection and life. That's why I want you to grab a pen right now, wherever you're seated, grab a pen uh, all over this place. Get your phone out. I want you to take a note right now. As we talk about this, I want you to write down that thing in your life right? Write down that thing in your life that you have been grieving, that you've been hurting about, that maybe, just maybe, you say, Lord, if you had just come. Because when we write things down, we have an opportunity to praise God about what he is going to do in resurrecting that old thing. Maybe it's just a word, maybe it's a phrase. You don't have to write a book about it because your life is a living testimony to that hurt and that pain that you've experienced. But right now, I want you to remember what that is because in a moment, the Lord can reach down at any time and touch you and resurrect from death, whatever that was. You see, what you've been soaking up can be squeezed out and it will be poured out of you. Somebody turn around and say, poured out. See, remember that we were talking about a sponge. Whenever you soak a sponge and then you squeeze it, it, it becomes poured out. In the next chapter we find in John chapter 12, starting in verse one, it says, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany once more 
the home of Lazarus. Now we find out that it's not in the home of Lazarus, it's Bethany, the home of Lazarus, who had been raised from the dead, but he is actually really, if we harmonize the scripture through Matthew and Mark in translation, right? Or Mark, Matthew and Mark, okay? <laughs> there we are. When we harmonize the scripture, we find out that they're actually celebrating the Passover at, at a house of Simon, the leper, the Pharisee that Jesus had cleansed. And in this moment, we know that Martha has been once again recruited to help serve dinner. <laughs> and we find out a dinner was prepared in Jesus's honor. Martha served and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard and she anointed Jesus's feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with a fragrance. Those personalities come out again as Martha is serving. Mary is not in the kitchen and Lazarus is hanging with Jesus. In walks Mary with an alabaster jar and breaking it at the feet of Jesus begins to pour it out. And I want to talk to you about, about the extravagant, uh, extravagant gift that Mary poured out. You see, nard is actually spikenard. It comes out of the Himalayas. It comes uh, out of China, India, and Nepal. It's from a very rare plant. It's actually from the root. And they extract this essence from it. It takes so much of it just to make a little bit of it. And you can actually buy this online right now today at a cost, what Mary gave Jesus of about $400. Still expensive to this day. But in Mary's day and time, it wasn't $400. It was actually what the Bible tells us, 300 denarii. Now, when we understand what this means, that they were referencing a year's worth of worker wages. All we have to do is to identify how much that is. We say in the Jewish calendar, it would have taken uh, all year minus the holiday feasts, minus the Sabbath, they, they come up with 299 days of work. They added an additional day of work. We get 300 days and we find out that they get a denarii a day. And all we have to do is go over to U.S. labor statistics and find out that the mean wage for the U.S. worker is actually $53,310. Excuse me, $56,310. This extravagant, uh, extravagant uh, gift was not just a little bit. It was a lot. But it was in direct relationship to what the Lord had done in her life and in her family. It was her dowry, it was her safety, it was her security. It was what was meant to bring in a relationship with a husband, prospective husband. But she fell at the feet of Jesus, took it and repurposed it from her dowry over to burial embalming. She probably didn't understand fully that in the next 
few hours, Jesus would be taken away. But in that moment, she gave the most extravagant, extravagant gift that she could. And Jesus tells us that wherever the gospel goes, that moment will be told as a memorial for Mary. Some of us might be wondering, Pastor John, I, I can't give that kind of gift. I, I don't even wanna give that kind of gift because I'm still waiting on my miracle. I'm still waiting for the Lord to come and raise my Lazarus. When he raises my Lazarus, then I'll give him that gift. But I want you to know this morning, all over this place, that if you are twice bought, blood washed, born again redeemer, that he has done a miracle in your life, that stands in comparison to none other, that he has raised you from the dead, that you have come out up out of that grave, that you can stand in front of him redeemed, and that you don't have to wait for a miracle because it's already happened in your life, that we can soak in his presence and worship him because he's already brought us back to life. Would you stand with me everywhere? You want to give this to Jesus. What kind of gift will you pour out to him when you realize what he has done to you? When he has saved you and redeemed you and restored you and given you peace and hope and joy that comes in the morning when he's turned your ashes into beauty, what kind of gift will you give to him? The very least that we can do this morning is to give him our attention, our focus, our worship, our love, our adoration, and pour it out. But there are some of those in that room that when that alabaster jar was broken and the aroma filled the whole house, they were blessed by Mary's worship. There are some people in this room that I'm blessed by your worship. That when you lift your hand and you lift your voices, you're off key, but your heart is singing to him. <laughs> and that your life as you live it is a testimony to me of what you can overcome when you hold the hand that is holding you. But there are some in that moment experiencing that, that time in his presence that were offended by Mary's worship. Judas, who would betray Jesus. <laughs> you know what he said? He said, why did she do that? We could have taken all that money and sold that and given it to the poor. Can I tell you that there are some acts of worship that nobody's gonna accept but Jesus? 
there are some acts of worship that nobody understands but you because you know what he brought you out of. You know what you were redeemed out of. You know that your marriage was falling apart, but he put it back together. You know what God is doing in your life. And you ought to raise your hands in victory, not concerned about what others might be thinking. Because he is here in this place and he deserves the glory and the honor forever and ever. Your, your worship wasn't a waste. And it's not a waste this morning. So I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know where you're going, what you're going through, but I want you to know that if you don't have anything to worship about, there's a question of your salvation. 